0: Hello Mamas, Laura here and today we are chatting about C-section preferences and the role that the midwife will play in a surgical birth. Enjoy! Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful
1: pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's
0: pregnancy with
2: physiology.
0: Hello, mummers, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today, we are kicking off with the fifth episode in our Ask the Midwife series, chatting all about C-section birth preferences. Now, this is a snappy and short episode, but I felt it deserved its own episode, and it is quite specific to C-section mummers. So Beth talks us through her role as a midwife in a surgical birth and the preferences that women should be considering to make their birth a beautiful experience. Now this is episode five of a six-part Ask the Midwife series with the amazing Beth Ryan, our resident midwife, childbirth educator, and soon-to-be mum. You can find out more about Beth and check out her amazing Instagram account by visiting at And if you missed it, make sure you go back and listen to the first four episodes in this series where we chat about the importance of stimulating the labor hormone oxytocin and why laboring at home for as long as possible is fantastic, how to create a beautiful birth environment within the hospital. Navigating conversations, language, and interventions with your birth team, and the ultimate in postpartum support planning. There is so much amazing content still to come in this Ask the Midwife series. So, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Coming up in this series, we've still got one episode left to release where we'll be covering inductions and vaginal examinations, what you need to know about them, and the pros and cons of these interventions. We also have a bonus episode exclusively available to members inside the Pregnancy Posse where Beth gives us her top three essential items to pack in your hospital bag, ways in which your partner can best support you during birth, managing a posterior labor, and everything you need to know about epidurals. This entire podcast series and all our other podcast series along with our exclusive member only bonus podcast content is all live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So if you'd love to access all the bonus content and listen to or watch this entire series right now, rather than patiently waiting for future episodes to be released, please go check out the posse. I have taken my years of experience helping pregnant and postnatal women as a women's health physiotherapist and made this all accessible in one neat bundle inside the pregnancy posse. So when you join the pregnancy posse, I will guide you week by week throughout your pregnancy with safe weekly workouts tailored to your specific week of pregnancy. I also do a weekly Q and a session where I answer all of the questions from our amazing posse members. There is also a lovely community forum where Posse members all support each other, along with an extensive resources library, which will help you avoid Googling all of your symptoms. Now, I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thatpregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. Let's get into episode five of our six-part Ask the Midwife series. I really hope you love this chat with Beth today around C-section birth preferences. Enjoy! So we've spoken about, I guess, natural
1: birth and how we expect labor and birth to go. But we know that I think the stats are about 30% of women are having C-sections these days. And I know there's a lack of support and resources. I know a lot of women are contacting me saying, I don't know where to find this information. Can you talk us through as a midwife, like how would you help support someone through that method of delivery so Mm. it's going to be different whether it's an elective versus an emergency cesarean but do you have any like words of wisdom or advice for for somebody to help prepare them for what they could expect from a support point of view or just to help them navigate a transition to a c-section if they weren't planning it I know that's probably a very yeah
2: no it's a really good topic it's a really important question so I think particularly if you weren't planning it and you're feeling really like oh this is just this was not in my plan just know that you firstly it's still a birth like it is still a birth I have been in so many the power of women to give birth via cesarean heal get out of bed the next day and start feeding their baby like wow to you amazing amazing so please take any pressure off yourself first and foremost that you don't feel like you have achieved a vaginal birth or that your birth wasn't you know what you wanted secondly I think know that you can still own the space a little bit so we're really bad at it as kept as health professionals but Often there's a few too many people in the theatre and we're having like a bit of a chat, which is really, really poor form. So it's okay to say to the midwife or to the doctors um, if there's anyone unnecessary in the room or if, you know, the scrub nurses are on their phone talking about the weekend, can we just not have that? Like I'm about to meet my baby and I'm just trying to focus and, and stay with my breath. Um the other thing and that's what you're not being pushy like we go oh my gosh yes of course sorry it's just because we're at our place of work and of course that's you know it's fine to ask for some for some um peaceful quiet um but the other thing is is that you can take photos so you can say like can we drop the drape and as the baby emerges over the drape can you please show us and we'll take that photo i think you still need to practice if you're feeling really anxious in particular you still can practice those wonderful mindfulness and relaxation techniques so people often think that that's only for you know a, a vaginal water birth that's not the case it's about staying um calm and controlled no matter how what your birth takes so when you're lying there and you're getting um, ready to meet your baby close your eyes have your partner nice your partner will be sitting next to you hold hands and take some really slow deep breaths and be like we're just about to meet our baby this is so exciting and then yeah you can take photos skin to skin is absolutely possible so some hospitals are still funny about it because they think that it makes the baby cold I mean look if that's the case and they say, oh, no, we don't do skin to skin and you really, really want it, um, again, like remember we were talking about coming halfway, so say, I understand that you're concerned that my baby will get cold. Can we maybe mitigate that risk by bringing some extra blankets? I'm happy for you to dry them off and we can bring a beanie. Like problem solved. And then if they, if they still say no, you, you are entitled to just say it's my baby It's really easy. I know that they do it at other hospitals. Can you please put my baby on my chest? Mm. Like if the baby's pink.
1: And are you talking immediately after their birth or is this later in recovery?
2: Immediately after. So like every hospital I've ever worked at does it. Um, So that's why I know that it's really possible and I know that it doesn't lead to really significantly negative outcomes. And I think that if we look at the benefits of skin to skin at at birth, um, the small chance that a baby will get cold, which is a risk that we can mitigate with extra blankets and a beanie, not hard, um, the risk will probably be outweighed by the benefits of skin to skin. So I think... Particularly if you have had to surrender to some things that have not gone to plan, it is okay to be like, please, can you please put my baby on my chest? I'll take, make sure you take one arm out of your, um, your hospital gown so that it's really easy. Um, I've been known to cut. The gowns are probably going to get in trouble if someone hears that. It's like costing the healthcare system. But I'm like, too bad if you didn't, you know, if the just forgot to take your arm out. We're getting this baby on skin to skin. <laughs> but you know, you can you can absolutely do skin to skin. And if they if you're just like I'm not up for an argument and they're kind of pushing back, don't worry. So your baby is not going to miss out on any vital bonding. You've not derailed breastfeeding. Just go, you know, if you're like, you know what, I can't be bothered to have this, um, I might lodge a complaint later but I'm just not doing this right now. Your little baby will be snug as a bug, wrapped up, you know, your partner can cuddle them and then as soon as we get to recovery, which is usually... Maybe twenty to thirty minutes after the baby's born, maybe forty minutes, depending on who's doing your suturing. Um, then, Bubby can come straight on skin to skin. So, I think know that you can advocate, but then at the same time, if you a don't want to and b you're just not up for it because you just you, you know you're just trying to keep things calm and, and um, low stress, mm. totally fine. Take that pressure off yourself. Yeah.
1: I love um.
2: That. Where are you yeah.
1: as a midwife? Because I'm just trying to remember with my C sections. Where are you as a midwife in the room? Because I remember the anaesthetist was probably like my main medical support person, I would have said, sitting right next to me. Whereabouts are you guys?
2: Yeah, so we we have a few jobs in theatre. So um, once you've got your epidural or your spinal inserted and you're lying down, our job is to um, check all the equipment for the baby. So just in case, particularly in an emergency scenario, if we've gone to theatre quite quickly because we're concerned about the baby, we just need to make sure that all of the resuscitation uh, equipment is good to go should we need it. Um, we're usually handing over to any additional staff, whether that's like another midwife that's joined us to to help or a nutrition and then we um we put on sterile gloves and sometimes a gown or just a drape and we physically step up to to your abdomen and and receive the baby so the wow. the yeah yeah so it's us who they hand the baby to which is so so wow. gorgeous and then we um if baby needs any help breathing then that's our job to make sure that the Um, Bubby takes their first breaths and then usually once I get the baby skin to skin and the baby's pink and beautiful and everyone's lovely lovely and we've taken a photo then we go and check your placenta which is one of the other jobs that we do so we physically look at your placenta and make sure that it's all there and do that sort of thing so there's a lot going on for the midwife mm. um which is why they might not be able to stay right next to you um but yeah rest assured we are there and we're keeping an eye on everything <laughs>
1: very fascinating I, I didn't know any of this and i've been there I, i've done that but i guess you're so limited as to what your your viewpoint is you can't see everything that yes
2: yeah, yeah exactly
1: um, are you as fascinated with placentas as i am Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> I find them to be incredible. I have, I have a turning point and once they go cold, I I struggle. <laughs> so I can check them when they're warm and like they're fresh. I know this sounds sorry for anyone listening to this and you're just like yuck. But they are phenomenal and I get such a kick out of looking at them and feeling them and I'm like, wow, what a healthy center or sometimes it tells you immediately um you know, you'll have a baby that's born that's really, really small for for gestational age or something like that. And you were quite worried and you'll look at the placenta and you'll go, yeah, that makes sense. You know, we've got a little placenta, you can see that it's not as juicy and, and you know, this baby needed to come out versus you'll have this like lush 39 week, huge placenta. (laughs) But honestly, once they go cold, I, you'll see me in the pan room and I'm like, uh, and people are like, oh, Beth, it's not that bad. I'm like, yuck. Uh, does
1: it change colour?
2: No. no. Oh, I mean, we probably don't look at them. Like it only takes an hour or so for it to go cool. Um, mm. So potentially it does. It's it's tissue, so it would eventually. But it still looks perfect. It's mm. just this funny, squishy, cold <laughs> thing. <laughs> I find yeah.
1: them so fascinating. I didn't do it with my second birth, but with my first birth, I was like, please don't throw it away. I want to look at it. I want to see what it's about. And I have this photo of me with my husband giving the thumbs up next to it with my huge lush for want of a better word. Placenta in a kidney dish right next to my yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> Such a terrible photo. But I was just so pumped to see it in real life before they got rid of it and did what they did with it. So Yeah, yeah they they are
2: amazing. <laughs> amazing.
1: Oh, this has been so good. Now I just have a few little questions that yeah. posse members from my That's online pregnancy posse have sent through. So we're going to be yeah. discussing side sleeping in pregnancy or sleeping in general. Yeah. Managing inductions, which is obviously slightly different to I guess, natural onset of labor, as we were talking about before. We're going to chat about best tips for a hospital bag, as you would have seen, what's important and what's not important. And we're going to talk about birth partner support. So thank you for answering these questions. So let's start with side sleeping during pregnancy. Um, My women wanted to know when is it recommended to start side sleeping and what is the basis behind that recommendation?
2: Yeah, so the recommendation is that from 28 weeks onwards that you, um, for any sleepings, going to sleep at night, napping during the day, sleep on a, on your side position rather than on your back. And the reason being is that they found that from about 2011, they were finding studies in small um, smaller independent studies were all finding that there was a link between third trimester stillbirth and um, sleep position. And then last year they did in the Lancet, which is a a big medical journal, they did like a big um, meta-analysis of all the existing data and sort of synthesised it to say, well, is there an independent link between sleep position and third trimester um, stillbirth? And they found that there was and quite a significant one. And the thought is is that um, when you are, heavily pregnant so from 28 weeks onwards when you are lying in a flat position the gravid uterus so a uterus that's full of baby can um compress can like lean back and compress um, a section of your heart which reduces the blood flow to the placenta and reduces oxygenation to the baby so do not panic if you wake up on your back. So we know that from lots and lots of sleep studies, the position that you fall asleep in is the one that you hold the longest. The recommendation is simply that you roll onto your side. If you find that you wake up and you're on your back, you roll onto your side and it doesn't matter which side that you sleep on.
1: Mm. And left or right? What's, what's Either. the vibe there? Either. Ah, that's really Either. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. did it used to be that it was left that was promoted? Is that a recent change or have I just got misinformation on
2: that in in an emergency scenario we would roll you onto your left because that's been shown to maximize blood flow to the placenta so if you were in labor and your heart your baby's heart rate was dropping or um you know you fainted or something we would just naturally roll you onto your left but in 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 terms of like a healthy pregnancy um when you're just going to sleep there hasn't been any significant Um, evidence of of either side being more beneficial so you can swap sides because it's going to get really sore on your shoulders lots of women say like my shoulders and my arms were really Mm. tender Um, so you can alternate throughout the night
1: yeah I love that that's really great I actually wasn't aware of that so I'm going to update my recommendations on that I was always told left side is superior to all other positions yeah really good to know what about laying on your tummy when do you recommend women transition from that to side sleeping
2: it's a really tricky one. I think, I think as long as you, if you're comfortable sleeping on your stomach, that seems to be the guideline. I haven't actually found any clear research because I think that people just assume that women can't after a certain point, And then that's the point that you just don't. Mm. Um, but I haven't seen any specific like cut off. Um, have you, yeah, I'm interested to hear if you've read anything.
1: No, my recommendation is when you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear. You'll know, I don't like this anymore. Um, yeah. I think, women, I think women are really good um, measures of knowing when to flip.
2: but I haven't seen any research that's um, really looked at yeah. when sleeping. Yeah. I struggle to find anyone in their third trimester who's still you know, mm. actively beyond 28 weeks saying, oh, I can happily sleep on my tummy. So yeah. I think that's a fairly good indication of when to stop. But um if I come across anything, I will send it your way because yeah. I'm quite curious. Yeah,
1: that'd
0: be great. Thank you. I get a lot of sleep questions. Hey mummers, Laura here and I really hope you love that short chat with Beth around the things to consider if you're having a C section birth. As I've spoken about at length in a previous podcast series called C-section birth series, there are so many ways that you can make this surgical birth a beautiful and magical experience. So you may want to go back and listen to my episode on mental preparation and processing in the C-section birth podcast series that I released just a few months ago. And if you'd like to learn more from Beth, you can find her on Instagram at birthwithbeth. And I would love to hear from you over on my socials at Physiolaura. And let me know whether you learned anything new from this episode. Now, in the last episode of this Ask the Midwife series, we'll be chatting with Beth about inductions and vaginal examinations, the rationale behind both, the pros and cons of both, and where these interventions may be required. So if you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss our upcoming episodes in this wonderful series. And if you love today's episode and you want to watch all the episodes in this Ask the Midwife series back to back all at once, you can find it live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. And for most series of the podcast, we also record exclusive bonus content for Pregnancy Posse members. In the bonus member-only episode for this Ask the Midwife series, Beth talks us through her top three essential items to pack in your hospital bag, ways in which your partner can best support you during birth, managing a posterior labor, and the lowdown on epidurals. Inside the Pregnancy Posse, you'll also find weekly guided pregnancy workouts, an extensive resources library on things like birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises, and yoga flows, plus a wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with me. I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth, and postnatal experience. So just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about. I will catch you soon for episode six in this six-part Ask the Midwife series where we'll be chatting about managing inductions and vaginal examinations and the reasons behind these interventions. Until then, mamas, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy. Pregnancy.